1: Get started today at plushcare.com slash loss That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. plushcare.com slash loss
2: If you could travel back in time, where would you go? Welcome to Paranormal Activity with me, Yvette Fielding, and this week we're talking about time travelers. There have been various accounts of persons who allegedly travelled through time, reported by the press or circulated on the internet, and some have been reported as hoaxes and others becoming urban legends. But could the legends be true and is there a possibility that we could jump forward or backward in time? I think anything is possible. Maybe time travel has been happening for many years and we are none the wiser. There are a couple of cases that really make you think that perhaps time travel is not as crazy as it sounds. If you watch the old footage of Charlie Chaplin's premiere of his film Circus, you can clearly see a man dressed in black. He walks in front of the camera, seemingly talking away on a mobile phone. Then after a few seconds, he simply vanishes. Now, is this stranger a time traveller? Is the footage fake? Or maybe there's a rational explanation to the footage. Then there's the famous picture of what's entitled the Hipster Time Traveller. It was snapped in 1941 at the ceremony of the reopening of the South Fork Bridge in British Columbia. Looking at the old black and white pictures, you see a crowd of onlookers. Then men dressed in suits, ties and smart matching hats. It's a bright sunny day and as you can see the shadow Uh, is on a nearby car. No one is wearing sunglasses or seems out of place until you look closer. To the right of the picture, third person in, stands a young man wearing sunglasses, a T-shirt with a big letter M on the front. His hair is in a modern style and he's also wearing uh, what looks to be some sort of hoodie or a zip-up cardigan His clothes certainly don't match the era that the picture was taken in. Many people believe that this man is a time traveller, whilst others believe he was just a very modern chap who loved to dress in a modern way. Have a look and let me know what you think. And finally, the Time Surfer. The picture dates back 100 years and shows a group of people sitting on the side of a hill if you look closely at the old picture, um, it won't take you a second to spot the man sat slightly off centre with what appears to be a pair of shorts, uh, like long shorts just above the knee and a t-shirt. And this is the best bit. His hair is long for that period of time. Um, It just doesn't make any sense. And when I looked at this picture, I, I got shivers. I really did. I thought that is really weird either it's a really good hoax something crazy is going on there so that is just type in on your um your google search time surfer and have a look at that picture and let me know what you think of that are time slips a form of time travel? When people report slipping into a different time period, they may only see a place momentarily as it looked, say, 50 years earlier. But could this be a way through to another time, another dimension? There are so many strange and peculiar accounts of time slips. And in some haunted locations, there seems to be parts of a building that can and has sent people to a different time period. Sadly, I've yet to experience this phenomena, but there's still time yet. Bold Street in Liverpool is one such place where quite a few people have been transported back in time. One such case involves an off-duty police officer called Frank. It was in 1996 and he was on a shopping trip with his wife, Carol, and Frank had the most peculiar experience. The couple decided to split up at the train station. Carol went to Dylan's bookshop and Frank wanted to buy a CD from a music shop in Ranley Street. After 12 minutes, Frank was walking along a road that leads to Bold Street with the intention of meeting Carol. Suddenly, Frank noticed that everything seemed to have gone deathly quiet And without warning, a vehicle that looked like an old box van from the 1950s narrowly missed him. It beeped as it flew past. Frank remembers seeing a caption written on the side of the van and it read, Kaplan's. Taking a deep breath, he walked across the road to where he thought Dylan's the bookshop, was to meet Carol. But to his bewilderment, discovered that the bookshop was no longer there. Instead was a shop called Cripp's. The sign for the shop was written twice over two different entrances. Upon looking through one of the windows, all he could see on display were women's handbags and shoes. Frank turned around, very confused, and then stood wide-eyed as he noticed that all the people milling about on Bold Street were wearing what appeared to be clothes from the 40s or 50s. All the men were wearing smart hats and the women were fashioning pillbox hats, scarves and berets. He also noticed that the women all wore gloves. It did occur to Frank in that bizarre moment that perhaps he had travelled back in time. Suddenly, Frank spied a young girl that appeared to be dressed in normal clothing. She was also carrying a Miss Selfridge's plastic bag. Within a second, the interior of the shop changed into the interior of a bookshop. The shoes and handbags had completely disappeared. Frank asked the girl if she had witnessed the same thing. "'Yes,' she said. "'I saw what I thought was a brand new shop and I was going to go and have a look inside for some clothes.' Now it's a bookshop. The off-duty policeman is still convinced it wasn't a hallucination. He really believed that he encountered a time slip. Did Frank go back in time? Well, apparently there was a lady's store called Cripps where the bookshop is now. Um, Apparently it is Waterstones at the moment. And there has been a firm called Kaplan's that was in business in that area during the 1950s. So is time travel possible? Well, some of the greatest minds on our planet certainly think that it is but not in the way that you or I would like to believe. Movies and TV shows have shown us so many ways in which the hero or heroine travels through time by using a DeLorean car, an old police box, and of course, the H.G. Wells time machine. And just a little side note here, if you've never seen it, this is my favourite time travel movie ever, and it's called The Time Traveller's Wife. Oh, You need to watch this if you haven't. If you fancy a good weepy, grab a box of tissues, a glass of wine, some chocolate, this is for you. So that's The Time Traveller's Wife, my favourite time traveller movie. But time travel, like I say, is possible. According to Einstein and Hawking's. apparently, now I'll I'll read this bit slowly because it took me a while to get it. Apparently, the closer we get to the speed of light, which is 186,000 miles per second, the more time would appear to slow down for us from the perspective of someone who in relation to us was not moving. Do you get that? Took me a while. Now, he called the slowing of time due to motion this. He calls it time dilation. Russian cosmonaut Sergei Krikalev actually travelled 0.02 seconds into his own future due to Einstein's theory of time dilation during his time on the International Space Station. Now, this week's story is from Lorraine, who got in touch on email. It reads, Hi, vet. My husband, Bill, a longtime fan of Most Haunted, persuaded me to go along on a Most Haunted experience at Hickleton Hall near Doncaster. I wasn't sure, but agreed to go along. Bill has been telling me to write to your podcast about that. Now, forgive me if I say this incorrectly. Mercy... M-E-R-S-E-A. Mercy or Merce, I don't know, but I'm saying mercy for now. Um, so yes, Bill has asked uh, Lorraine to get in touch about the Mercy Island in Strood, and this is her story. A good few years ago, we went to see a local school of dance staging their annual show. This was being held on Mercy Island. In the car was mum and her friend, my stepfather, and I drove. We watched mum take part in a tap dancing routine and had a thoroughly good time watching the show. It was time to drive back home across the Strood. I was aware that the tide was going to cover the Strood as it was a full moon that evening, so I really wanted to get going. However, we could see that the tide was coming in and not wanting to get caught in the water, we decided to turn back and head to the Fox and Hounds pub and waited out till it was safe to cross. The pub owner was very chatty and advised us to wait a couple of hours and he'd tell us when it was safe to continue our homeward journey. It was a couple of hours later and the pub owner gave us a shout to say it was OK. My stepfather sat in the front passenger side as I drove. I hasten to say that I don't drink, hence being the chauffeur for the evening. It was a clear night with a full moon and I could see that the strewed was clear of seawater, but the road was still wet. There were cars travelling both directions when we reached the Strood. As I was driving, I spotted a figure on the left-hand path walking towards the island and as I got nearer, I saw clearly it was a Roman centurion in full regalia walking. I turned to my stepfather, Did you see that, Bob? That Roman soldier? To which he replied, Yes. And he turned to look out of the back window as I checked out of the rear view mirror. But there was no one. The Roman had disappeared. Mum and her friend looked out of the back window and they both didn't see him. All the way home, my stepfather and I talked about what we saw. To this day, I'm still not sure, but the centurion was so clear. That's my story. I've seen a few odd things over the years that I can't explain. It does make me nervous. I think these are like time recordings. Regards, Lorraine Presslin from Lincoln. Well, thank you so much, Lorraine, for sharing that story with us. Uh, it's a great story. So here's two people that saw the same thing at the same time. Now, you know that I love that. When there's more than one person that sees an apparition or something paranormal, to me, I, I think that's fantastic because it's sort of... Uh, it makes the ordeal so much more real and believable. So that's brilliant. Could it have been a person dressed up going to a fancy dress party? I, I'm presuming. I highly doubt that. And the fact that the two passengers in the back didn't see him—if uh, it was a, a, a just a genuine guy going off to a party or somebody dressed up like that—they would have seen him. So that was very very strange that he just vanished. This could be a memory being played out for you to see. Uh, It could have been a time slip. Were you momentarily slipped back into time and did you witness a Roman soldier? Or simply, I believe that you saw a full apparition of a centurion. How bloody marvellous is that? Sorry, I swore, but I think that is. How exciting! Thank you, Lorraine. I've never been to Mercy Island in Strood. It seems like a wonderful place. It's on my list of places to visit, so thank you. Hannah got in touch with her paranormal experience a few weeks ago where a spirit gave her a special gift. Well, Hannah got back in touch with us to clarify some of the experiences from her story in the episode titled Another Recipe for a Haunted House. Hello,
3: Yvette and the and Activity team. Um, thank you so much for sharing my experience on the podcast of the week. Um, really bizarre to hear myself on your podcast and can, I had to double take, um, my voice. I'm thinking, oh my gosh. So thank you so much for, um, for allowing me to share that with you and. Um, with like-minded people on the podcast, it's really nice to hear. Uh, I just want to get back in contact um, just to clarify a few things. So with the white rose and the connection there, so I spoke to my mum and she said it was her that put the white roses in my bedroom. It purely, she said it was for the aesthetics of my bedroom at the time. Um, clearly, I can't decorate my own room. And um, so she put them in there. But it happened to be such a coincidence or, or maybe not. Maybe it was running parallel with the spirit world. I don't know. You know, this old man spirit had given me a white rose to say thank you. And my mum happened to put a white rose in my, uh, my flower pot. I still think there must be a connection there. Um, you know, how could you possibly put the two and two together and not get four? But what I forgot to mention at the time as well of me being in the flat with my parents and having my really bizarre dreams. At the time of seeing my psychic lady and I said, I'm having these dreams, et cetera, et cetera, And my psychic lady said, oh, well, you you actually have a lady who comes and visits you at nighttime and she sits by your bed and watches you and watches over you um and she's putting lavender on your pillow I'm thinking right okay <laughs> um she described this lady um I didn't recognize the description at all wasn't sure um and said you know this lady is part of your family you know I think she would have some abilities you know to communicate with the spirit world or something like that and I'm thinking oh god I don't know who that is so again I went back to my mum and said oh this is what my, um, psychic healer had said about this lady and, you know, um, described her. And my mum said, no, that, and mum believes she was talking about, oh, here we go, my mum's mum's mum. So my nana's mum. And she would sit and read tea leaves to the kids. <laughs> um which was just so unbelievable at the time there were, that my psychic lady picked up on that and mum clarified and said yeah she used to sit and read tea leaves and it was a thing and you know and, and had that ability which is just completely bonkers um but absolutely incredible at the same time and on top of that at the time of my um my mum's mum's mum <laughs> visiting me in in my dreams or in my sleep and putting lavender on my pillow. My mum had purchased lavender pillow spray at the same time because she knew I wasn't sleeping very well. Um, and again and it all clicked and we were going oh my gosh how did we not put you know the the sums together and you know so there my mum was buying me pillow spray to help me sleep <laughs> and I was having lavender put on my pillow um, so there we go definitely something running parallel there um, no doubt about that uh, which is so fascinating also with the the old man spirit who was supposed to be within the flat and you know maybe trying to visit me in my dreams um mum also did say that she did feel a male spirit when we first moved in and she thought she actually saw a male an old man um she was just I think doing something in the flat one day looked up and happened to see something and looked back and it was gone but again she didn't say anything at the time um because she thought oh I don't know I'll just you know sweep that under the carpet but again you know that there's both of us um having an experience there. Um, Not sure about my dad. (laughs) Might not bring him into this one just yet, but um, he hasn't said anything after all these years. So there we go. Um, So that's it. That's my update. So I thought I'd just give you some clarification there and let's see if anything else happens. (laughs) I'm now living in a Victorian house, um, which is supposed to have a Um, little boy spirit here Um, I haven't really had anything go on um, but we will see Uh, I'm just gonna leave him be if he's happy so (laughs) um, anyway loving the podcast still you're so fab really look forward to the podcast um, every Thursday and yeah take care of yourself speak soon
2: bye Oh, thank you, Hannah. What a lovely voice note. Um, well, we need to speak to your mum and Dad quite frankly. I think they 've been holding out on you If your mum's had all that information and and she 's kept quiet all this time, and your dad's never said anything I mean come on what 's he hiding? Has anything else happened? Um, I love that moment when the penny drops when people put you know talk to each other and they go, "Oh God, no." this happened to me and that, well, that could have been your granddad or this could have. I love that moment. And also something to remember, Hannah, is that spirits can actually put thoughts into your head. The spirit of the old man could have put that thought of the white rose into your mum's head, like you said. Um, And also, Again, the lavender, spraying the pillow with your lavender. Um, I think it's absolutely fantastic that it all came together. I'm intrigued about your new house, though. Please let us know if you make contact with the little boy. We're on edge. Have you had a paranormal encounter with a ghost, extraterrestrial or something unexplained? If you have, send us a voice note into paranormalactivitypod at gmail.com. That's paranormalactivitypod at gmail.com. And you could be featured on the next episode.
1: Hello. Sorry to interrupt your podcast. We didn't do that. It's just been magically done for us. We do a podcast, which I think you might like if you like this podcast. Our podcast is called The A to Z of Men with me, Chris Brooks. And me, Scott Robinson. And what's the podcast about, Scott? I mean, what we're doing really is giving you an insight, a delve into the male mind. We're going through the alphabet letter by letter. I submit a word. Chris submits a word and we battle it out to see what word goes into the A to Z of men. And you can get us wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for the A to Z of men.
0: Normalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions.
2: I'm always excited when I have a, uh, I was about to say, I'm always excited when I have a ghost on the show. That would be good, <laughs> wouldn't it? Uh, it? I'm always excited when my husband joins me uh, to discuss all things paranormal.
1: And so am I. Thank uh, you very much for having me again. Oh
2: no, it's lovely. We had a good chat, didn't we, when we were talking about ghost ships. But this time uh, we're talking about um, time travel. And this is, the reason why I've asked you to come on is because this is something that really fascinates you. And I don't mean to embarrass you, but you'll run up to me in the kitchen and you go, oh, have you seen this picture? Or have you heard of this story? And then you'll you'll go on a bit, won't you? Bless you. I do Te- tend to go on a bit, <laughs> yeah. Telling me these stories and showing me these pictures. So I just thought you would be the perfect person to come on and let's just chat about time travel and some of the most fascinating pictures. Now, I want to go back to, um, I think it was the first picture that I spoke about, or one of the first pictures that I spoke about today, which is, I think it's just called the hippie picture or the hippie time traveller. And it shows this group of people, the sun is shining. I think it's the opening of of a a bridge, bridge, that's right, in in America. I think it's 1941 in British Columbia. Um, And as you look at the picture, I know people are going to be going online now and having a look at it. If you can, whilst listening to the podcast, please do because there are rows of people um and i think he's sort of like the second or third person sort of up from the bottom of the row the
1: uh, only one in sunglasses well
2: isn't he's he? the only one in sunglasses now when you first look at the picture you just think oh my god this is really weird because he's wearing clothes not of the era all the men in that picture they're all wearing suits Ties, white shirts many of them have got hats on and those who haven't got hats on their hair is very short it's sort of you know parted got the brill cream on and so on you know what people used to wear at that in that time period but this guy he's got sort of long wavy hair and he's the the glasses though I don't I do know that they wore this type of sunglasses um, in this period they're sort of like those welding sunglasses aren't they so there's a wraparound type thing but it's his t-shirt um with a big m on it um, and this sort of hoodie cardigan type now they didn't have t-shirts then which is really extraordinary and i don't think they had sort of hoodies or t-shirts uh in that uh time now a lot of people say oh it was just a guy that liked to dress in a funky way for the time would you agree
1: car what do you think um uh- I mean, this is one of the most sort of famous time travel pictures, isn't it? I think with the glasses, you're very right. Uh, They're royal glasses similar of the period. But then yeah. again, if this guy's a time traveler, could he not have bought those glasses earlier that day in that period? So they could be of the, yeah. of the time.
2: Now, I'm, I'm just stopping you there. First things first. I've not actually said whether I actually believe in time travel, and I've not asked you. So I'm going to ask you first and put you on the spot. Do you believe in time travel? I.e., I'm talking about the full somebody walking into some sort of contraption and being able to go forward or backward in time.
1: It's a very difficult thing because time travel is a real thing. Every time we look into the stars, it's we're looking at things in the past. You look. You, we can still see planets here on Earth mm-hmm. that are hundreds and hundreds of millions and millions of miles away that don't exist anymore. They've they've exploded. They've, mm-hmm. they've died. And yet we're still seeing them. So we are looking at them in the past. Mm-hmm. Now, if you reverse that and you had a telescope on that planet looking at the Earth, you'd still be seeing dinosaurs. So so you because the light hasn't hit us, you'll be looking in the past. So that is a certain time travel. Physical time travel is a whole new can of worms i guess there are so many stories out there that this has happened and they fascinate me some defy belief quite often they're debunked i hate the word debunked um i, I prefer the term investigated but there are so many unanswered questions with so many of them this one in particular you look at this photograph and those people at home hopefully will be, be looking at this photograph and um, this particular photograph interests me because there is another time travelling story attached Ooh. to this photograph but to look at what we're talking to the the, the, the bridge opening time traveller as a lot of people call it when I look at the size of his head to everyone else's in this picture now we've got the picture here haven't we mm. if you just look it's, it's very much larger than the man next to him and also very much larger than the people in front of him closer to the camera mm. almost as if it's been photoshopped mm. I'm not saying it has but they haven't quite sized him correctly.
3: Mm.
1: It's a... a, I see what you're saying there, Do you see see my point? Yeah. However, the greatest interest for me in this photograph is if you go three people to his left, Mm. there is a gentleman also without a hat on.
2: Yes, I see him, yeah.
1: Now, that man is believed to be somebody called Andrew Carlson. Right. And this is a more modern time-travelling story. Mm. Andrew Carlson was a man who was arrested in 2003 in Wall Street. He turned in two weeks, this man turned $800 into $350 million in just two weeks on the on the stock market. Mm. And people got very interested in that because they thought he must be inside of trading. So he was arrested. When he was arrested... He insisted that he was a time traveller from 2256. Uh, and he, he was arrested, obviously, by the, the, the FBI. And he was the person supposedly who gave the whereabouts of Osama bin Laden, and he also gave them the cure for AIDS. Now, this, right. is, this is what he said. Okay. Strangely enough, when he was arrested, a mysterious benefactor who no one has the name of, gave, out of the blue, gave a £1 million bail to get him out of prison. And he vanished. So he's never been seen since? Bearing in mind, he was arrested in 2003. And it was only two weeks prior to that that he made all this money. That when they investigated him as a person, his name is Andrew Carlson, nothing uh, exists of, of him prior to December 2002. He does not exist. This man does not exist. He told them that he was in this picture and that is him. Three people to the left of the one everyone looks at with the sunglasses. Now, I've got a picture of Andrew Carlson.
2: Oh, my God. And that's the FBI have taken a picture that's of the
1: him. FBI picture. And you tell me if they're not similar people. They are the same. <gasps> that's just weird. Unless it's a really good doctored picture. The whole picture, the whole photograph would have to be doctored, but it would have to be doctored... Twice for this man to have been in it and for that not to have come out until 2003. How bizarre. That's really blown my mind. How weird is that? Now, this, this man, uh, this Carlson, if it's true mm. that he, he was a time traveler, he knew when he could make the most amount of money from what his research, he, the research he'd done in 2256. Of course. And he came yeah. back mm. to do this. He, he was saying that that was allowed and he just went back to his time.
2: You would have thought he might have done a bit more, wouldn't you, really? Well, the, the thing is, that, <laughs>
1: this, this is what gets you, is... is if he could have proved he was from the future, there there's there a lot more good he could have done for, for us, mankind, yeah, yeah. And, and to maybe stop us being so dark.
2: But then I suppose nobody would have believed him. Nobody would have believed him, and who knows what else he's told him? This has possibly been leaked to us—just a little, a little tiny bit of information
1: we've been given. But how extraordinary! I love that case. But but also these are the things with 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 with, with, with time travel. Is he could have proved it. Because he could have said, since I'm from 30, 35 years into the future, or actually in those times, it was almost 50 years into the future. Well, it was over 50 years into the future uh, from when he was uh, arrested. He could have given dates later that year of things that would happen. Because he would have known about it. If he said, oh, um, this is going to happen in in, in December and this is going to happen in Mm. 2004, then there would have been proof.
2: But then maybe maybe it's a bit, you know, it's back to the future, isn't it? It's that you don't want to change too many things that are meant to happen because if you change them, that has a knock-on effect as well. Do do you see what I mean? So maybe he didn't want to say too much.
1: Well, maybe if it's not things he said, but not things that could change, things like the outcome of something, whether, you know, a horse race. If he could have given...
2: Yes, that's a winner so. of a
1: horse race or, or uh, a football match. You know who who wins the World Cup? Yeah, it, th- for the next four World Cups, who yeah. wins it?
2: Yeah,
1: you know th- that wouldn't necessarily change anything. It would just be given the actual events. How
2: extraordinary! I do like that case. I'm going to keep staring in that photograph later it's, on. It's amazing. It's that one really photograph good. with yeah. two time. It's really in. good.
1: Yeah, um, and the other one that, that I find fascinating, uh, and I really love people to look at this. It's um, a 1994 fight between Mike Tyson and Peter McNeely. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Now, this is, again, quite a modern thing, but there is a guy ringside, and he's filming this fight on what looks to be like either an iPhone or a Galaxy phone. No, they weren't in existence in 1994. Oh, how interesting! And if you look at it, it, it is. You, you put a one of these Galaxy phones with the cameras on the back. Mm. He's holding it up, and he's holding it like we would hold it now. He's. It, it looks like he is actually filming this thing with a modern phone.
2: And we got a lot of those. There, there's a, a lot of those, like the Charlie Chaplin one, where people, are, you know, walking and, and on mobile phones. Mobile phones seem to be the thing, isn't it? Isn't it?
1: <laughs> I can't speak properly. <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, I, the, the thing with mobile phones um, back then is who were they speaking to? Because they'd have to have there'd have to be a network that can carry the the service. Mm. Where where are the the, the masts mm. and who are they speaking to? So they'd have to have at least two people with mobile phones. The Charlie Chaplin one because that was at the um, opening of one of his movies, wasn't it? Yes,
2: yeah, Circus. Yeah,
1: that's it. And I, but to me, could that not have been? Yeah, you know, they they had those those. Uh, hearing aids you know the, the, ear the horns, trumpets, yeah, the ear trumpets so they could have had a small one yes because when they went out they wouldn't have necessarily carried a big one they just had a smaller mm. well maybe there's that and I know they're talking, but maybe they're talking, so <laughs> speak a bit louder. I don't know. Who
2: knows, but it just looks really it's weird. It's fascinating. It, it, absolutely.
1: And I want it to be real. I want it to be true. I'd love the fact that, because there's this whole thing that time tra- people say time travel isn't possible, because if it was, somebody would have come back from the future. How do we know they're not? Again, there's that whole UFO thing where maybe they're not um, from other planets. All of these ships we're seeing are, um, are time-travelling devices yeah. from the future or different companies, because yeah. they've got different types of machines and they're coming back to view us that's mm-hmm. why they're not so much interacting as, as as they could do because if we interact we change the future
2: mm-hmm. going back to my original question do you believe in time trouble
1: yes i do I, 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 <laughs> I, I, yes i do I, I, it's something that that einstein believed could yeah. happen trouble is with all of these things when it's out of the ordinary there will always be people trying to call it a conspiracy theory and the mm. greatest way to make something seem less important is call it a conspiracy. Well, the conspiracy is two ways. Let's look at the Philadelphia experiment.
2: Oh, yes. Instance. Now, I I never, you said to me earlier on, you went, well, everybody's heard of the Philadelphia experience. And I went, yes, but I'd never heard of it until you told me about it. People who've heard this story, obviously, I just think it's gr- because not not everybody has, has heard this story. Like me, I didn't hear it. So just very briefly, just tell everybody what it's about.
1: Well, this is the th- the, the part about this conspiracy theory. The, the government will say, the, the US government will say, oh, this is just conspiracy theorists making something up. Mm. However, could they not be the conspiracy theorists? Yeah. Making something up that isn't there. Of course. Um, well, the, the, for those who don't understand, the Philadelphia experiment was, it was about an experiment that the US government during World War II were trying to make uh, their ships... Uh, have a cloaking device, or to make them invisible to the enemy. That that's the thing. Now, it's it comes from um, Einstein, who coined the phrase uh, unified field theory, which was about bending light. And mm-hmm. now there's thoughts in 1943. Uh, the USS Eldridge, which was the ship involved in this, uh, there are different stories. This ship was involved in this experiment. One set of stories say that it slowly vanished and was replaced with a green mist
2: mm-hmm. and
1: when it came back a lot of the soldiers or the sailors on board were nauseous and ill and another one story says that the ship completely vanished and reappeared 200 miles away in Norfolk Virginia this isn't just people saying it appeared this was witnessed by the crew of the SS Andrew Foraseth. Now, forgive me if I haven't pronounced...
2: Yeah, no, I do it all the time. Around,
1: yeah. But it's uh, Foraseth, I, I believe. Um, now, they watched the ship appear, the Eldridge appear, for quite some time, and then it disappeared again. It returned to Philadelphia, but apparently it returned 10 minutes back in time. Now, I don't know how they've measured it returned 10 minutes back in time, I can only assume that it was in two places at once. Mm-hmm. So this was witnessed. It was witnessed that it did appear for a short period of time and then vanished again.
2: Well, all these people that witnessed it, all the crew on that ship, they're not all hallucinating, Absolutely. are they? Absolutely.
1: Now, the problem with that is, is when it returned, there, again, there are different stories about the state of the the, soldier, the sailors on board. Some believe that they came back and they were, again, disorientated. Some believe that they were actually welded to part of the ship and it was a scene of Unbelievable horror! Mm. They, they, they were welded to oh, parts of them were sticking out of the, the the deck. Part of them were some returned inside out. Some just vanished. Oh, it was God. it was a it was a huge mess. Now, you know, like they they were welded to to parts of the ship. Now, what we have to do to look at the the investigations and the conspiracy theorists. This story started in late 1955 when uh, a guy called Carl M. Allen, who was an ex-merchant seaman, he claimed to have witnessed this event happening, but he sent um, this book, a book called The Case of the UFO and Flying Objects by Morris K. Jessup. Um, but he sent this book to the U.S. Naval Research full of annotations saying that this was aliens seeing what they were, and they were close to finding this stuff out. And at the time, it was largely considered just a hoax. What do you mean, sorry? So this, well, he this sent this book saying he, he witnessed it, but it's partly to do with aliens. It was partly oh, I to see. Do with, right. Yeah, and it was just considered a hoax. But that itself made the, the US Naval Office put out a statement saying this just never happened. And there's all this idea that they can prove where the Eldridge was all the time, that this didn't happen. But again, if it did happen... And it was a it was an experiment that killed lots of people. Of course, they're not going to admit no, it happened. No, of course I mean, they not. We have all this stuff about. There's so much that we don't know. Well, it, it, there's this idea that the U.S. government set, um, actually put a flu virus out in the the no. in, throughout New York, and that only came out recently. Oh, yes. to, and it was against their own people to see how much uh, 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 chemical warfare would catch to people. So. It, they denied that ever happened. Mm. So this, potentially, it's all locked up. It's all under mm. um, confidentialities and all that. Hopefully one day it may come out, and it's maybe proven to be real. But it's so easy to just say it's wishful thinking.
2: Oh, and, and everybody that thinks that it's real is mm. crazy. It can't be wishful yeah.
1: thinking if some very sane human beings on the SS, Andrew Foraseth, witnessed this ship appearing and then witnessed disappear. it vanishing once again.
2: What about, now, I mean, you've got so many cases here. But what about the, the gentleman that was flying the plane and and um, and saw... A... Sir
1: Victor Goddard.
2: Oh, there we go. Tell us about that, because I love
1: this story. Well, this was 1935, so this was before the Second World War. Mm. Now, he was flying to Drum in Scotland, and as he flew over this airfield, he witnessed the airfield sort of um covered in it was disused it was covered in you know grass the cows had gone in there they were Mm -hmm. eating the grass and stuff so it wasn't being used and then he hit some some weather some bad weather and he flew lower to get under the cloud um because uh, and the sunshine started to come through the weather dissipated and it was fine but then he noticed the airfield had changed it was now full of people working on airplanes now the airplanes they were working on weren't silver they were yellow and he had only been known silver planes Mm. and the uniforms they were wearing the overalls were a different color to what he would have known any military to have Mm. used uh, at the time when he carried on his journey everyone said no it's not being used now only years later that was being used in the second world war with the uniforms, and he said when he saw the uniform, he said, That's the uniforms. Right, we so saw. he
2: was seeing in the future.
1: The future. So were they time travelling back somehow <laughs> into his world, or had he time travelled forward into theirs?
2: We'll never know. How fascinating is that? Yeah,
1: and this is why you, you've got to think of coincidences. Edgar, Edgar Allan Poe. Mm. Let's just go into this for a little bit because this is mm. kind of fascinating if you mm. want to do a lot of research into it. He did a uh, his book, uh, The the Narrative of Arthur Gordon Pym, which he wrote in, 19, in 1838, uh, was about the ship being stranded. And these people uh, ran out of food, so they drew lots, which happened a lot in those days mm. of who to kill on the ship to eat. As you do. As you, well, yeah. you know, people had to survive. Yeah. They drew lots. And the lad who was... The loser was a guy called Richard Parker. Uh, He was dispatched and consumed. Now, 46 years later, in 1884, a ship actually... Bear in mind, this was a fictional story. I was going to say,
2: it's a story, that, yeah. Yeah, this was
1: a fictional story from Edgar Allan Poe. A ship was sinking, with the only exception. This was a yacht, not so much a, Mm -hmm. a, a, a big ship. They had to make the same call on that ship because they had no food. The boy that lost... Uh, the toss, as it were, was also called Richard Parker, and he was eaten. Now, isn't that – that's a, a strange weird. thing. That's Same a, scenario, for six yeah. years. Weird. Again, he, 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 uh, he penned uh, The Businessman in 1840, uh, where he writes about a man who injured his head as a child, and he damaged his frontal lobe, mm. and it changed who he was and, and all this. Now, Poe seemed to have some intricate detail of the effects of this type of injury which were not to be understood until 1848. And the neurologist uh, Eric Altura, uh, easy for me to say, stated that there were dozens of symptoms that Poe seems to have known every single one of them. He knew everything about these symptoms in his story. Everything we know and everything we have learned, it's so exact, it's just weird. It's like he had a time machine.
2: Did Edgar Allan Poe... Go in a time
1: machine, but you've got to think that he wouldn't. He wasn't a doctor. He wasn't a medical man. He wouldn't have known. He couldn't me, have made could, it up. Could he
2: have dreamed it? Could I mean, from a paranormal point yeah. of view, could there be a sort of I don't know, a sort of merge of maybe the spirit world, sort of putting information into people's heads, which we, which we know
1: is possible. And who says you can't time travel in your dream?
2: Exactly. Where do we go sometimes when we're asleep? Where does our conscious mind go?
1: Well, the last thing with Edgar Allan Poe, there is someone, there's a mysterious person that uh, some believe looks like Edgar Allan Poe who leaves a rose... On his grave every single year, but no one's ever managed to talk to him. Oh, dun dun
2: dun! What, love what, it. What about rudolph fence Go on. I love this story. Which is
1: my favourite one of all. Yes,
2: and this is the one that you rushed into the kitchen to tell <laughs> me about. But since then, there's been more information come out about this story. So go on, start from the beginning.
1: Yeah, this um, to give a very basic, uh, quick uh, background. In uh, 1950, uh, Times Square. This gentleman appeared out of nowhere in Victorian clothes. He looked confused. um, He looked scared. He didn't know his surroundings, uh, walked straight in front of a taxi and and unfortunately got ran over and was killed instantly. When they looked upon his person, they found a business card. They found uh, a clothing receipt. I mean, his clothes were Victorian. They weren't very old and they were quite immaculate. So Mm. they were good clothes. A New York police officer, a police captain, I should say, uh, Hubert Rim, took on this case. Now, he followed all of these, um, the pieces of evidence he got. He went to the house where the business card was. There was no one living there of of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy who opened the door said he'd never even heard of this Rudolph fence. The, the cleaning receipt for his, his clothes, nothing was there anymore. The place where his clothes were made did not exist anymore. They were shut down in the late 1800s. So
2: they did exist, but
1: they were shut down. They did exist mm. once. Every mm. single one of these places existed, mm. but they were now out of business. Mm. This kind of went on and on and on because they couldn't believe that this man could have appeared from nowhere. They looked back into his past and they found someone in the past with the same name who vanished in 1876 and was never seen again, mm. a Rudolph Mm-hmm. Dressed in a similar fashion, his family said he vanished. Now, that fascinated me because obviously the police were involved. There's all this evidence, and then this huge thing came, came mm-hmm. to me like a bolt out of the blue from yourself.
2: Yes, yeah, sorry. Saying,
1: about that. "Oh, it's all being made to look rubbish." <laughs>
2: Shall I say what it is? Oh, yeah yeah so basically I discovered that uh, folklorist Chris orbeck found that the story originated from a fictional account in a 1950s book called a voice from the gallery by Ralph Holland which he mr. Holland had copied from the tale from a short story by Jack Finney, Finney uh, from which uh, yeah from which this story actually came so when I told you this you were you look like you well, lost your toy. Well, this,
1: well, this came in nineteen fifty one, and it was uh, the, the short story. tournament was called "I am Scared." Mm. Um, however, people weren't uh, weren't going to let this go because there were certain things that they didn't d- didn't match up to the the the, the, the hoax mm-hmm. thing or the short story thing. Now, the story of um, Finney's story, "I am Scared," wasn't printed until five months. After this occurrence happened.
2: So after his, he died?
1: Yes. Yeah, so, so was not the story made from the actuality, from the actual, uh, not the other way uh, around. Uh, right. Now, uh, a lot of researchers have done so much uh, research and have found the, a real Rudolf Fens with proof of his disappearance in that same year. 1876. They found his family. they have gone back to the records. So there was a man of this name who disappeared in 1876 and there is a story. The actual story does appear in a newspaper. It's the Berlin News Archive and it's a proper story that's, that was found from 1951 which reports the actual accident in New York at the time a man called Rudolf Fens dies. That's become my favourite story. So I believe it's real.
2: Well, I yes, I actually now you've said that, because you would go shall I tell you? Shall I tell you? No, no, let's wait until we record How great our is
1: that? podcast. And this is the trouble with a lot of these stories, is that I think that some people are so quick to dismiss mm. that they don't look at the, the reality that's in front of them. Uh, and is research more. Like th- with this one, I would have quite happily said, Oh, that's a shame. That's my favourite story. It. Now you realise, no, that still stands for me.
2: There's a, a, another couple of cases here, just quickly. Is, uh, For instance, Anne Mobley, or Mobley, and Eleanor Jourdan. In 1901, these two English women visited Versailles. They visited the Petit Trianon, again, pronunciation probably really bad, um, which apparently means a little little chateau. And it was a little chateau in Louis XVI's palace royal grounds. Um, and apparently he gave this small chateau to Marie Antoinette to have as a little private place. Place to relax in, you know. Um, now, these two ladies claimed um, in 1901 that they saw people wearing uh, strange clothing, heard strange voices, saw buildings and structures that were no longer present, and then they saw what they believed to be Marie Antoinette drawing uh, in a sketchbook. And These two women seem to have claimed that they have fallen into a time slip of more than a hundred years. Um, scientists looked at it it and you'll love this they came up with the fact that it was a joint delusion i hate that
1: how is it a joint delusion because scientists don't want to admit that this could possibly be real they have to come up with something a joint <laughs> delusion joint delusion do you know what and that what, what makes you realize how stupid that is is mm. that would never be put forward as uh, as evidence in a murder trial a joint delusion. A joint delusion. So, so you, just, you have to take that with a complete pinch of salt. Of course you do. Scientists, a lot of them, are too afraid to admit what it could possibly exactly. be. Now, these two ladies were, were were professors at Oxford. Oh,
2: right. I didn't and know that. Yeah, and,
1: and that's one of the things. Not that they should be taken any more seriously than no, but, anyone else, but, they're, but, but they're, these academics yeah. have a lot to lose. Yeah, yeah of know, course. Credibility-wise. Yes, yeah. Um, now, they, they did actually, if anyone wants to get a, a copy of it, they published this in a book called um, An Adventure, now, originally the book was published under, I think they gave them pseudonyms or something. Oh, did to, they? To, to, they? didn't want to be associated with the book. Right. But I think now you can get the book with their proper names, right. which is um, Eleanor Jordan, as you've mentioned, or Anne Mobley. Mobley. Mm-hmm. Um, but that stands as, as one of um, the most accurate... Depictions because the way they described everything was correct, historically correct, and they potentially wouldn't have known that. And it only vanished when the apparently one of the guides walked towards them, that's when everyone vanished.
2: fascinating why not why can't we why, well, well, why can't I this happen I, I think it can definitely and what about just something that I first looked when we started doing most haunted was there was a story we, we, I didn't even know there was a, a thing called a time slip and I remember um, talking uh, to yourself about all these cases and one of the things that I well I first heard was about this uh, couple they were on a holiday in France weren't they and they were mm. driving along and um, I think they were sort of it was getting dark and that they sort of weren't able to get back to where they needed to be, so they needed to uh, find a, a place to stay, a B and Anyway, they found this B and B down the end of a, a long um, uh, road, and they went in, and they remember saying, "Gosh, this is a bit strange because it's sort of very, very old-fashioned. Mm. It was very 1940s, wasn't yeah. it? The table was laid out, and um, you know, in uh, the, the wallpaper, everything about it was was very 1940s. Um, they met the the husband and the the wife who welcomed them again they were dressed their hairstyles were in 1940 they stayed in the hotel they stayed in the bedroom again all the old decor was there they got up in the morning they had breakfast Talked to this couple and then as they were leaving they went back into the nearest village or something and and um, they were speaking to somebody and they said oh where have you you know where did you stay last night and they said we stayed in this lovely um little hotel it's just up that road there and they said there's no hotel up there I said, "Well, there is because we stayed there no there hasn't been a hotel there since the 1940s, yeah. and that, that was it, wasn't it? And they were completely blown away. And I think they went back, and there was nothing there.
1: They were they, they, exactly that they and they what they couldn't believe was because they were on the way to Italy, and they were they were traveling through France. And like you say, they, they needed a place to stay because mm. it was getting dark. The first question they had with everything was was that their breakfast for two of them cost 19 francs. That's it, yeah. Which was, uh, I, I, I guess, about pound fifty. Yeah, uh, That's right, know. yeah. And you think that they were, couldn't believe that the this value for money that yeah. was in front of them, hearty breakfast. But of course, back in the 1940s, that would have been an awful lot of money. Yeah. That would have been very posh. Yeah, yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't they find the foundations of the building that was there? I think you Wasn't you're there right. something? Something, that, yeah. And there was a, a building there. It had either been bombed or it had been burnt down yes, or it had been something right. yeah. that doesn't exist anymore yeah. today. But, again, these people are saying, people, what What do they have to gain from making, apart from ridicule from some, these stories up? they, they they have, to, they, they have to believe that this has happened. They've gone on lie detector tests. There are people who've come from the future, say they've come from the future. They've mm. gone on lie detector tests and passed them, and these people have vanished.
2: If you – right, okay. So if you had the opportunity to go into the future, not sure whether you could come back, would you go into the future, and by how many years?
1: If I didn't think I could come back, no.
2: Okay, if you knew you could come back, how many years would you go into the
1: future? Do you know what a great question that is? Because you'd have to be careful. Because do you imagine if you went, say, 500 years into the future and there was nothing? Mm. You were just standing on a, a blackened planet and you were the only one left. You'd come back thinking, well, I know at some point
2: it yeah. all goes.
1: But yeah. you would constantly wonder when. Probably 100 years I or was so. going to
2: say I would be 100 years. Yeah. Definitely. If you could go back in time, where would you go and what would you be doing
1: well, there's a there's a huge part. Of me wants to go back to go back to the late 19 uh, mid mid to late 1950s. It's because I just think with the music and everything, it was an exciting place to be with all of that. You know, the emergence of Elvis coming through, and you listening. To, you've gone from this sort of Frank Sinatra type crooners to this madness that came out of rock and roll, and it's the biggest change in music we've ever had. Mm. And 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 I think the biggest change in people's thought process about teenagers mm. and young people it was the first time they really had a voice I guess um, probably that I
2: would have liked to have gone back to 1962 I would have gone into the cavern and watched the Beatles
1: Of course. Live. that's what I would have now, done no I'd have gone back to 1960 I'd have gone to the cavern and said I've got a new band called the Beatles <laughs> <laughs> no I'd have trademarked it and when oh, they came up yeah. with it I'd have said you can bite off me
2: exactly yeah or written all the Beatles songs and sold them to Brian Epstein
1: Do you know what? Who knows that you didn't do that?
2: (laughs) (laughs) And on that note, we shall say goodbye. What do you think about time travel? Where would you like to go in the future or where would you like to go in the past? Let me know. Lots of love to you all. And thank you very much for listening. We'll be back again next week. Stay up to date with the newest episodes by giving us a follow. And if you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review. We want to hear from you. So send in a question or an audio clip telling us your paranormal story to paranormalactivitypod at gmail.com. That's paranormalactivitypod at gmail.com. We also have WhatsApp so you can send your voice notes into this number oh seven five nine 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 two seven five three seven. 27537. That's 075-999-27537. And follow us on Instagram. Uh, The address is at Paranormal Activity Pod. That's at Paranormal Activity Pod. And remember, things aren't always as they seem.